like he wouldn't shut up. So we gave him a talk show. Sometimes I'll start a sentence, and I don't even know where it's going. I just hope I find it along the way. Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. People don't want to pee on other people. That's what I found out today with the unsponsored <clears throat> Twitter question. Sugar Feet would not pee on Grayson Allen if he were on fire. Fraud Giroux wouldn't pee on Tom Wilson, Brandon Dubinsky, or Brand Marchant. Tito the guy would not pee on Aroldis Chapman. And Placid Joe, I think he means flaccid, says I would not pee on Bryce Harper. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four is the number to call. Steven in Phoenix next up on the Crowley Show. What's up? Hey there. I was hoping to talk to uh, Stat Pat for a second. Oh, you want to talk to Stat Pat? Oh, yeah. I got a good question for him. I think he's going to know. He's got a lot of numbers in his head. Yeah, let me go get him. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, Steven, hello? Hey, hey how, how you doing, man? How's your wife? I'm okay, man. Uh, what, what, where are you driving to? I'm driving home. I, I got, I had a thirty-six-hour round trip for work today, so a lot of window time. Thirty-six, but, uh, thirty, thirty-six uh, <laughs> miles round trip. That is ninety-nine and a half miles overall. Yeah, and only twelve miles per gallon on fuel economy, so I'm doing great. Huh? What's your question? Um, hey, I, I want to know. Uh, how many days has it been since the Flyers have won a Stanley Cup? Uh, I do not. I don't know how many day, <laughs> days it's been since the Flyers won the Stanley Cup. I know it's been 412 days since uh, Pitts won a conference basketball game. Well, all right. Well, at least you got that. Uh, th- th- thank you, uh, 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 Stephen. It's been nine. <sighs> it's been 1975. That's what they, uh, that's the last time. Thanks, man. Uh, thank you, Adam. Hey, Step Pat. Yeah. I got it for you. How many days? 15,664 days. <sighs> that's a lot of days. <laughs> it's been so many days. Tim Bendro to call him for the trip today. Breakfast, breakfast with Benz. Talking about how unpredictable the series is between the Penguins and the Flyers. He's not wrong. Penguins won game one, seven nothing. They won they lost game two by the score of five to one. Then game three was won by the Penguins five to one. How often do you see something like that? I don't think you see it very often. Two thousand twelve was kinda like that. It was unpredictable, it was frustrating. This series, though, isn't quite there with the frustration level, but it has been a roller coaster. Here's why I do think that the Penguins and Flyers this time around, Penn's Flyers 2.0, if you will, is more predictable than Benzie thinks. I think the Penguins are the better team. That's had the better of the play. And they've got better players. I don't know how it's going to get there. And maybe that's the rub. But the Penguins will win the series eventually. The Penguins outclassed Philly in Game 1. In Game 2, I thought the Penguins did everything right except put the puck in the net. That happens... It just does. In game three, the... That was gross, Adam. Shut the hell up, Pat. The Penguins were better 
for 45 of the 60 minutes. Trust the process is a phrase they're familiar with in Philadelphia. That's all the Penguins need to do. Keep doing what they are doing. Here's the other constant part, and I mean constant part of this series thus far, apart from the fact that the Penguins have been the better team. Crosby's getting looks, yo. So much about this series has been unpredictable, but not that. Crosby had a hat-trick in Game 1. He missed a breakaway, shot a puck through the goal mouth, and hit a crossbar in Game 2. In Game 3, he had four points. Sid's going to get his chances. He's had a bunch already through three games. He's going to cash in more times than not. If Philly continues to give him those chances, this series is over. And I'll bet on that guy time and time again. He's won the Cons might in back-to-back seasons. He's won the Cup three times. He's scored and set up huge goals throughout his career. Philly just doesn't seem to have an answer for him right now. And they're not putting the puck in the net when he's on the ice. The Flyers don't have a 5-on-5 goal against the Penguins when he's on the ice this season. That's the constant. That's what's not unpredictable in this series. And if Crosby's going to get three or four looks a game, Crosby's going to bury them and subsequently bury the Flyers. That's why it's not totally unpredictable. He's going to get his. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Can we finally trust Matt Murray? Well, Adam, do you mind if I cut in here for a second? Yeah, no problem, man. After a Penguins playoff loss, Matt Murray's 9-1 with a goals against average of 1.52 and a a save percentage of 9.39. That's pretty good. That's good. Matt Murray stopped 26-27 in Game 3. 11 of 11 in the first period, including that breakaway by Nolan Patrick. And then the early stop on Sineham, Sanheim, the rookie Flyers defenseman, was big too. He was streaking to the net. Wasn't a great pass, but it was a huge stop by Matt Murray. And he made a tight save point blank on Travis Konechny. The only goal he allowed, he didn't see. It was a bounce back performance from when he wasn't as great in game two. Goalies are going to have problems. Goalies are going to struggle at times. Devin Dubnik struggled early on in last night's game for the Wild, and they wound up winning. We've seen struggles from goaltenders all throughout the playoffs. It's how you bounce back from those issues. It's how you respond, and Matt Murray is great at responding. And he's doing what I thought he'd do coming into the series. He's making me look good. Matt Murray coming in had a 928 save percentage. A lot of people in this town were worried about the way he'd perform. They thought maybe he was a weak link of this Penguins team. Couldn't be further from the truth. Didn't have a great game, too. But the Flyers scored a couple of times in the power play. And if the Penguins were more defensively responsible, like they were in Game 3, those cross-crease passes would not have been there. It was a great adjustment by Mike Sullivan to take those things away. Matt Murray's fine. He's the least of the Penguins' problems. And frankly, right now, they don't have a lot of problems. James says he would not pee on Vontez Perfect if he was on fire. Again, I would pee on some of these people just because I would want to pee on them. And if he's burning alive, he's obviously in a lot of pain. I might let it get to an uncomfortable place for him and then pee on him. 
Steelbuck14 says Joe Madden. F Joe Madden. You're right about that one. Perfect. If he's on fire in my living room, I'm okay with the whole house burning down. Mike Sullivan is 8 0 in playoff series as the Penguins head coach. He's 13 and 3 when coming off of a loss in the playoffs. The dude does what Bilesman never could. He comes up with a plan B. Like me in college. Like 40 bucks for that. Plan B. The Penguins, the Pittsburgh Penguins, these high flying, offensively oriented teams that we've seen the last handful of years. Really, since Lemieux came around, these Penguins can score and they were fun to watch, sans the X generation. And yet, last year in Game 7 against Washington, his plan B was trapping it up. And not plan B, that's a plan Z. It worked. They completely altered their forecheck against Tampa Bay in 2016 in Game 6 and 7. It worked. Sullivan made some changes for this game. Subtle and otherwise. The Penguins and their coach, to a man, talked about how they didn't play terribly in Game 2, and yet they still made some adjustments. Hornquist played with Sid, Kessel played with Malkin, Russ played with Broussard. That gave the Penguins a defensive-minded player on each line to guard against the Flyers attempting to change matchups. That wasn't subtle. It worked. Hornquist fed Crosby on his goal. Kessel looked to get his game going a little bit, I think, for the first time in this series. Picked up an assist. That, however, was on the power play. Sullivan also used some tactical adjustments, which I just referred to on the PK, where the Penguins had been pressuring a bunch with the diamond formation, and the Flyers scored a couple of goals in Game 2 because of it. In Game 3, the Penguins played a tighter box (laughs) and disrupted passing and shooting lanes. Flyers couldn't go cross-ice, and they had to settle for point shots. And then there was the period-to-period adjustment. In the first period, the Flyers' forecheck was giving the Penguins problems. They were a bitch. It was a headache. And the Penguins rushed trying to break out. That led to a lot of neutral zone turnovers and a subsequent counterattack, and the Penguins were kind of effed in that first period. They didn't know what to do. They were playing frazzled and panicked a little bit. But after the first, the Penguins didn't rush. They waited an extra second or two. They got the puck up ice, and they got it to the proper players. It was subtle, but it worked, and it always seems to work when Mike Sullivan's pushing the buttons. Again, 8-0 playoff series, 13-3 and after a loss. The guy gets it. And you can point to the talent all you want. People say Bill Belichick wins because of Tom Brady. I believe that, but he's great at making adjustments. Mike Sullivan has all kinds of talent, but so did Dan Bilesma. He didn't do it. So did Mike Johnson. He didn't do it. Hell, so did... I knew I shouldn't go back that far. Michelle Tarrant. And it didn't work. I tried to block out the Michelle Terry and Penguins from my mind. That's what happened there. This guy gets it. Not everyone can win with this much talent. I know it sounds ridiculous, but it's true. And he can. And about the last thing that he changed. The Penguins on the counterattack. Or pardon me, the Penguins breaking out of their zone, trying to not lead to the Flyers' counterattack in the neutral zone. They now have a feel what it's going to be like to play in Philadelphia in that cauldron again in the playoffs. So when game number four rolls around, and they've had a couple of extra off days after already having solved it this first time, 
they're going to be so far and away more prepared this next time around. They're not going to get sucked in all the nonsense that happened in the first period. I don't think. I think the Penguins come out and play a really strong period in game number one of game four. But that's speculation. We've got a couple of days between now and then. James Harrison's retiring. Oh, God, no! Steelers are going to present him with a participation trophy. Nice to see him knock the door down and have such a nice career. That's probably not fair to do. But the big question right now is, what's his legacy? What is it? Tell me, what's his legacy? Vote in my Twitter poll. Answer my question. I'm going to write a column about it tomorrow. F that. It's such a sports radio cliche. It's such a sports talk cliche. I don't have to remember him as the dude who left for New England. I don't have to remember him as the dude who returned an interception for a touchdown in the Super Bowl. I don't have to remember him as the dude who was arrested for assault. I don't have to remember him as the dude who was the Steelers' all-time sack leader. There seems to be this notion that it's either one or the other. It's an either-or proposition. Either you think he's an all-time Steelers great and a good person, or his legacy is tarnished and he's a dink. I'm going to have it both ways. I can remember everything. I can think he's a bad dude who has done some bad things, and I can also think he's one of the most feared defenders in the league, or at least was in his heyday. It's okay to look at him zoomed out in the microscope. There's room for nuance. I hate black and white conversations. I hate cliched sports talk radio questions like that. And I remember him for everything he did. You can do what you want, but I'll have my opinion. I'm not going to try to change yours. That's just not interesting to me at all. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Coming up next is Jason Mackey from the Pittsburgh Post. because He'll break down the Flyers-Penguins series. All the details. Oh, I love details, Adam. Yeah, I know you do. And then we've got the hottest take of the day. A bonus hottest media take of the day. And other crap. It's Crowley Show. tweets there's nobody i would pee on there's many people i don't like and i don't want to miss the chance to pee on them i'll just stop short of putting them out win-win i'm on the same page as you mark we are two terrific human beings so is jason mackey of the pittsburgh post gazette kind of wacky the way that this series is shaping out not just in the way that it's being played but the fact that there's now three games off between games which blows i mean that just sucks Sucks for nobody more, though, than the beat writers. Mac Daddy? You back in Pittsburgh? Yes, I am. And your thoughts on that? <laughs> oh, it's, uh, it's great to be back, Adam. But at the same time, I kind of wish that we would have stayed there. Not for the lovely sights of Philadelphia, just logistically, it is not easy for a beat reporter, but that's the playoffs. Nobody wants to hear a sports writer complain, so let's get on with it. Well, I'll complain for you then just for half a second. My wife yesterday said, it doesn't make any sense that they'd come back. And I said, well, it does for the team. I get it. I feel for all the beat writers, though. That's the thing I said, because you're driving back and forth, and eh, it's not a terribly long trip, but... eh, take some time and you're going right back there on wednesday but we will move past it you will survive jason and i do think it's a good move for the penguins though i think it's smart for them to come back here kind of reset a little bit they'll get a practice under their belt in 
Then they'll go back to Philadelphia. I like the move from their standpoint. Absolutely, Adam. And that's the most important thing. I, I want to just clarify something or say something. I think too many times in our business people complain. You know, I'm well aware that I get to go to games for free and, and do a job that everybody loves. And the last thing I would ever do is complain about it. It's just logistically you wish there were a few more hours in the day. But for the team, I completely understand. Um, shoot, they were home by probably 9 o'clock last night, if not earlier. And I mean like home-home. Um, they're going to have a full day off with their families today, things like that. That's few and far between this time of year. They're going to get a practice in their own facility and fly to Philly. They'll be there tomorrow after or, uh, Tuesday afternoon. So I don't question for a second them doing it. I think it was absolutely the right move. Jason, I think the Flyers had to be discouraged being down one nothing after one. Mentally, what do you think that did after they played so well in that first period? Um, I mean, sort of what you're saying, I think mentally it probably got them a little discouraged, but, um, at the same time, I mean, they're professionals. I don't, I don't really like that whole, like they got discouraged. You would think that the amount of people in the building and the amount of interest and and what goes in their bank accounts would be enough to encourage them. Um, so I don't think it was that. I mean, I I do think that the Penguins basically used the first intermission to, to kind of reset and, um, gather themselves, take a breather and, and, they were a little bit better. Um, they were more responsible with the puck and playing with a little bit more speed and attacking more. I do think that Philly kind of knocked them back on their heels a little bit, and uh, the Penguins were able to uh, sort of change some, thing, some things that rather with their breakout and get the puck out of their zone quicker. But, um, you know, I, I don't have a whole like, discourage thing. You know, if you, if you need some sort of encouragement at this point in your career, you've got bigger problems. Well, I'm discouraged by that answer because I've been running with Sorry, that premise pal. all day. You I'm don't kidding. need any encouragement. Oh, yeah. you're, you're, you bring it every day. Yeah, ratings are up 700%. It's because I get such a big paycheck, Mackie, and I am a professional. Uh, why do you think Murray's so good when coming off a playoff loss? You don't typically see numbers like what he's put up, 9-1 and one with a 9-3-9 save percentage. Yeah, I know. Uh, well, I think there's a couple things. And one, it's his makeup. Uh, we talk all about staying in the moment and, you know, Matt will never talk about this stuff, but he, he really does take an active interest in how to train his brain to focus, uh, you know, on only the moment and focus very heavily on that thing. I know I talked to him, I think it was last week, about sort of breathing and focusing on air going into your lungs, you know, like the littlest, tiniest thing um, instead of actually like big picture stuff. So when you ask him about, you know, his greater thoughts on the game, oftentimes Matt's really bad talking about that, but uh, sort of the way his brain works. And when we talk about bouncing back from big stuff, he doesn't really think about the big picture of anything, and that's one reason. And the other thing is, too, I, you know, I think the only big picture thinking he does is he gets a little agitated, and I think he wants to go out there and sort of, you know, I don't know, give him give a middle finger is the right term, but um, sort of prove to everybody that he, he isn't what uh, what you saw last game. Sullivan shuffled the lines. Uh, there's been a lot of speculation, perhaps correctly, that that was to try to get Phil Kessel going a little bit. I'll say this. I liked it because I think it gives the Penguins added defensive conscience on each of their top three lines. And what I was worried about in this game was the Flyers trying to match up their top line with Couturier and Giroux 
with the third line of Broussard and Kessel and Sherry. Uh, Sherry and Kessel, not great defensively. Brian Rust, I do think, is a very good defensive player. I think that adds something. Hornquist, obviously, a really good defensive player. Not that Crosby's line isn't like that anyhow, but I think that went into it as well, Jason. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Um, I also wouldn't discount Sullivan changing for the sake of change. He's done it plenty before. Sullivan loves to tinker, especially with his lines. And, you know, whether it's getting Broussard going, Kessel going, anybody going, I mean, he's done it a lot. Um, and I think one thing that we might see throughout these playoffs, and um, I think for a good reason, is Derek Broussard and, and Brian Rust. And it has some elements of that HBK line yeah. that Rust can skate. Uh, Broussard seems to do well with players who can skate. And you need to have a little bit more defense than Connor Sherry provides. So, you know, add all, add all those things together and you get Broussard and Rust. So, yeah, and it, it also doesn't shock me, Adam, that Sullivan did it the way he did. You know, he, they practice one way, they tweet out a starting lineup and lines one way, and then, whoop, drop of the puck. Mike Sullivan just had a change of heart, going to change things up. So, I mean, very secretive, uh, loves that stuff, and, and did it well up front. Yeah, I think it's a really good point by you. Jason Mackey of the Post-Gazette joining us here on the Crowley Show. I think that when you're Philadelphia and you see the way that the first two games went, even though they won game 2-5-1, to one, I thought the Penguins didn't play anywhere near as terribly as the final score would indicate that they did. And they knew that, so they were going to try to make their adjustments going into game three, and they're going to do that anyway. And they're going to adjust based on what they've seen the Penguins do and what they think the Penguins going to do. And then you've got old Uncle Charlie with the curveball coming out. I like that idea just to keep them off balance, just to keep them honest. Boy, you just you got my head wrapped all around the axle, Crowley. Somebody's keeping off somebody off balance with a, a curveball and a wrap around or what? You're a little bit feisty today, Mackie. It's <laughs> is it because you drove across the state? You you are you are complaining. You just don't know you're complaining. It's passive aggressive <laughs> complaining. How about that? I I just like giving you a hard time, pal. It's fun. It was a wrap around, Uncle Charlie, thrown from the yeah, southpaw. That- I'm pretty sure that's what you just said. And somebody faked somebody out with something. Maybe they gave him a fake Uncle Charlie. Well, it worked. <laughs> In the game? And you've totally been thrown off. Jason Mackey joining us from the Post-Gazette. Mm-hmm. Let's ask this one. How about this? Why is Crosby on the Flyers the way that he does? Oh, that's a much better question. Direct no, and to I, the point. Yeah, that's it, pal. Good job. Yes. Yeah, you always do a good job. Yeah. I, I honestly think Crosby loves it. I mean, he will never admit this publicly. Like, we were asking him about the urinals yesterday. He loves that stuff. You know, there is no building that hates him more than Philadelphia. I honestly think, Adam, that they like booing him more than they like cheering their own Yeah. Yesterday, they first started their first Crosby sucks chant, right? And it was right after the Flyers came out. The Flyers come out. The fans are, like, sort of cheering for a little bit. And then all of a sudden, like, they just forget about their own team and their their own chant. It's not like, let's go Flyers or some sort of version of Philly. It's Crosby sucks. <laughs> it's something else. And that, I, Sid, like I was talking about with Murray before, about using sort of doubt as motivation. He's really good at that, using hate as motivation. Um, and he's just comfortable in that building. He's in their heads. I think he knows it, and I think he loves it. Jason Mackey here with me on the Crowley Show. Two players I want to talk about that aren't sexy, uh, well, not sexy the way they play, Riley Shane and Chad Ruedel. 
I think I'm not commenting on either of their sexiness. Well, I, I, w- I will once we get you off the line so it's not uncomfortable for you. Is that okay, Mackie? Thanks, Tom. Yeah, no problem, buddy. I think that Ruedel has had a very good series. He blocked three shots when the Penguins were totally under siege in period one. And Riley Shane, he's just a handful to play against, and he's really been a good defensive conscious on that third line. Fourth line, pardon me. I agree with you, Adam. I think those are both very good points, and I think there was a lot of uh, question surrounding this series about who's their number six, are they good enough defensively, you know, I think do they block enough shots was probably something somebody wondered, and you know, Chad Ruedel's been great. He's been steady. Um, we haven't thought or talked about the third defense pair whatsoever in this series, and I think a big reason has been Chad Ruedel. Um, and Riley Shane, I mean, we've known this shoot since I think February and March when he really started to find some traction as the third line center. Um, you know, even before they got Derek Broussard, I thought he was really good. And you put him in a fourth line center role, he's a plus player. You, know, you use the term difficult to play against, but he's he's good in corners. He can be physical, and um, he's very smart. He knows what he's doing out there, and he knows, you know, you, you see him put in a third-line role, he plays a certain way, and you see him put in a fourth-line role, and he plays a different way. I think that's the sign of a really um, mature player, and, and he has a very nice role in this team. They value what he brings a lot. Penguins penalty kill has stopped 11 of 13 power plays. I thought they were fabulous. Obviously, the statistics will bear that out in game number three, but they really did a good job of eliminating those easy tap-ins and keeping the Flyers out of the crease. They did, and this has honestly been building for a little while now. I feel like, you know, when they have a bad game, we kind of question them, and when they have a good game, um, you know, and we're talking about the Penguins penalty kill and what they've figured out, but there's certainly been more good than bad lately. I think they haven't allowed a goal, I want to say off the top of my head, in four of their past six um, it's been been impressive, though, for the reasons that you're saying. They're really not allowing much of anything. Um, and that was really the issue late in the season. It wasn't overall killing penalties poorly. It was the golden chances were going in. And, you know, I think earlier in the season, middle of the season, when they were at the top of the league, those chances weren't. And that's just luck. I mean, that's not killing penalties any differently. It's just you're it's kind of like a reliever in baseball. You know, you get away with something in one part of the year, and, and that exact same pitch in that exact same spot gets hit over the fence in another month. And that's sort of what happened to the Penguins' penalty kill. But right now, overall, I think they're in a very good spot. I think they're starting to get some confidence back. And um, I do think it's a much better group than, than maybe some wandered late in the season. Less than 10 minutes of ice time for Jamie Alexiak. What do you make of that, Mackie? I don't make anything of it, quite honestly. Um, I think it's the way the game went. I don't think they're dissatisfied with him in any way. Um, you know, I think Mike Sullivan ideally would like to play his top two defense pairs a lot of minutes and kind of keep the third one a little bit more manageable. Um, I don't think he wants to get that third defense pair out there any more than probably 11 or 12 minutes. Special teams could complicate that because Ruido plays in a few extra situations. He doesn't play a ton, but, you know, he, he sees some PK time. If, you know, if like Olimata was in the penalty box, he, he might get something uh, you know, filling in for Ole there, but uh, you know, I I don't I wouldn't read too much into it is what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I think you're right about that. The Penguins had seven power plays. He's not going to be a part of that, and if he's not the first guy out in the rotation in the PK or the second rotation, then he's just not going to play all that much. It was it was a very heavily skewed special teams matchup yesterday with 13 combined 
power play opportunity. So I'm right with you there. Jason, really appreciate the time, man. Safe travels back to Philadelphia. And quit complaining, man. I just All I'm hearing from you, I got to drive this way, that way. I mean, it's just too much already. <laughs> oh, you got it, pal. I hope to talk to you again soon. Goodbye, Jason. And good luck on your Jersey journey. Back to near New Jersey. P. Philadelphia. Coming up next, somebody's not having a great time in Washington right now. It's been everything the news stations are talking about. I'll go into detail there for the hottest take of the day. We've got a media hottest take of the day. We've got other crap. Three stars of the show. Don't go anywhere. Don't. Do not go anywhere. ESP Pittsburgh. Flo here with a really weird word. Buttery. Buttery? It's not quite butter. It's, it's more butterish. Or maybe buttery is like butchery or bakery, a shop that sells artisanal butter products. Dig in, America. Now a word that's even more weird. Flotection. Sure, it's not really a word, but it is really good protection for your new home through me and Progressive. No ifs, ands, or butteries about it. Sorry. Save an average of 17% on car insurance when you bundle home and auto through Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. I mean, this take that I, I mean... Is a good take coming up? <sighs> My take's good. With, why are you? Mike Greenberg's take is. I mean, it's it's you. It's what we're used to seeing from him. It's a lot of couching of opinion. I'm leaving if you do Wingo. That show's awful. Thing drop. <laughs> hey, there it is, baby. I got your money, got your money. Hey, here's what the Bucks have going tonight, Adam. If you're interested, yeah, sure. I don't. You have the lineup? I do. Todd Frazier's gonna play second base. Is it Todd? Adam Frazier. Adam Frazier's gonna play second base. He's gonna lead off. He's got a career batting average of 281, which is, <laughs> is funnily enough, uh, Adam, it's the same exact batting average that Josh Harrison has in his career. I don't think the Pirates are going to miss him at all. His handmade bone is broken for the second straight year. Gregory Polanco's going to bat second and hit uh, and play right field. <laughs> Starling Marte's going to play center and bat third. Then you got Bell. <laughs> this word always makes me laugh. Dicker, Dickerson batting fifth. You got Cervelli a catcher, Moron playing third base. He's hitting seventh. Then you got Mercer and Brault. Steven Brault's 2 0 with a 346 ERA. And one more thing. Do you care if I. One more thing? Sure, man. Whatever you want. It's the last segment. Whatever. Yesterday afternoon in Miami, Starling Marte had a career high five hits while also tying a career high with four runs scored. Marte enters tonight's action, having collected six hits in his last six at-bats. The last Pittsburgh player to do that was Dirty Sanchez in 2009. I think that's Freddy Sanchez. He was dirty, man. And Corey Dickerson made his...
debut with the Rockies in 2013 after being selected by Colorado in the eighth round of the 2010 first-year player draft and in three career games against his former team. He has the altitude. He has gone six for 11 with an RBI. That's pretty good. Better than Harry. I think we got a new baseball expert on the show. Wow, the experts just keep piling up. I know. As long as I don't have to talk about baseball. Yeah. I'm good with it then. Mike says, when asked who he would not pee upon if they were on fire, talking about athletes here, of course, he says Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. I don't think that... You'd need a lot of pee to put two people out. You would. I also don't think Bill Belichick will ever die. He's like the emperor in Star Wars. Kind of like Tim Benzie. You know, kind of like got thing. the Benz thing yeah. going. Not a vampire, but no, but like has eternal life. Was there too much staff pat just there? No, I actually want some more staff. You want more staff? Harry pat. actually had to leave early tonight, more but uh, I don't think he's going to be very happy tomorrow. Wait a second, why'd Harry leave? Yeah. He had to get on the road a little bit. See, now I find that interesting that Harry's going to leave when Stat Pat pops in. He stayed for every other show. Do you think there's some animosity mm. there? I do. Uh, he was talking about baseball, too, at the end there. He was. He was gone by then, though, but, I mean, he listens back every night, so... I just don't see how anybody could not like me. I just try to uh, 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 add to the show a little bit. No, Harry loves you, Stat. Okay. We, all, we all love you. Okay. I just don't want to be stuck in... Last time people talked like this, uh, <laughs> I got the sense... Uh, well, my head wound up in the toilet. Wow, that's awful. I know, that's bad. That's unfortunate. It is. We'll take care of you, Stat Pat. It's going to be okay, Stat yeah, Pat. No bullying here. Adam, isn't it time for the uh, uh, the hottest take of the day? Yeah. It is. It's time for the hottest take of the day. Day, day, day. This guy's got to get out of D.C. I'm done with it. I think everyone's done with it. He's changed Washington and really not in a good way. He's completed a lot, but it's not necessarily what you think of as a winning formula. He's set a lot of goals. He completed a lot of them, but maybe some of the goals aren't great. Now, he's got his fervent supporters. It's just not working out, though. They're all clad in red. He's always shooting from the extreme right. He's loved by Russians everywhere. Ovechkin's got to get out of there. It's not his fault that he's losing. It's not. He scored two goals the other night, and yet the Capitals could not win the game. It's not his fault that the team's getting sent to the penalty box. It's not his fault that they can't play defense. It's not his fault that they grip the sticks too tight. It is the fault, I think, of Barry Trotz for not changing the mindset of his team, a team that was good defensively all season long. And it's not Ovechkin's fault that Tom Wilson's running around like a douche kebab. He's like a jackass with his head cut off. In an overtime yesterday, I say this all the time, Tom Wilson might be the guy that I would not pee on if he was on fire, although it helps the Penguins win when he's bad. That guy being on the first line is... It's old-school hockey. And we're past that now with analytics. We're past that now that we have players... 
on every team that can skate and that can score and be creative, and he doesn't do those things. He's got pedigree, and he uses to he chooses to use his powers for evil instead of good. In overtime yesterday, he had a wide open waning cage and shot the puck wide. Anybody else on that team with any modicum of skill buries it, and the Capitals are tied one to one right now. And if he doesn't play in this series, the Capitals might be up 2-0 because he keeps taking stupid-ass penalties. So if I'm a Vetchkin, I'm getting out of Washington. He scored a lot of goals. He's accomplished a lot of what he set out to do. He's just not surrounded with talent. Enough talent to win. It's time for the media. Here's a quote from Mike Greenberg, the always quotable, but never say nothing, Mike Greenberg, quote, on his new morning show, Get Out, or whatever the hell they call it. Ah, uh, that was the movie, the racial movie, with the black guy, the horror flick. Anyway, I think it's Get Up. What did I say? It doesn't matter. He said on that show, quote, it might not happen, but it's possible that Rob Gronkowski walks away from the NFL, end quote. That's why we've got the butt belt. That's why the butt belt exists. Because we like to poke fun at the fact that the media does this all the time. They come out with a strong opinion. I'm ready to break some news. I'm ready to get people thinking about something they're not thinking about. But that might not actually happen. The Penguins can win the Stanley Cup. But here's why I think it won't happen. My West Virginia Mountaineers can beat Villanova. But they probably won't. It might not happen, but it's possible that Rob Gronkowski walks away from the NFL. And then get up, get out, whatever the hell, they tweet it out. They tweet out the fact that he said this as if it's some sort of breaking news. How is it breaking news to say that something could happen, but it's probably not going to happen? And where's he getting fed this information? Like Mike Greenberg's on the SSSTD talking to Rob Gronkowski in the offseason? Shut the hell up. You don't know. And he knows he doesn't know, which is why he says it may not happen. But it's possible that Rob Gronkowski walks away from the NFL. Woo! Other crap. Mike says that he would pee on Tiger Woods. I think Tiger might just like that. Woo! Other crap. James Harrison announced his second retirement. Steelers will mail him a trophy to thank him for participating. Woo! Other crap. Duke loses all five starters after Carter announced he's going to the NBA. Spoiler alert, they are the odds-on favorite to still win the championship in 2019. Woo! Other crap. The Capitals are going to Holtby for Game 3, and the Devils are going to Schneider. It's almost like backups playing like backups isn't good enough to win in the playoffs. Woo! Other crap. After Crosby was named the first star against Philadelphia, Flyers fans threw trash on the ice. And by trash, I do not mean each other. Woo! Other crap. 
The Cavaliers lost their first game to Indiana. I knew it would be tough for them to keep pace. Woo! Other crap. Who's your daddy? Woo! Other crap. Golden State is up 1-0 on San Antonio. Kawhi, is that happening? Woo! Other crap. LeBron James says he's the last guy to ask about being down 1-0 in a playoff series. Who do we ask first? Alex Ovechkin? Woo! Other crap. Bartolo Colon had a perfect game going into the eighth inning against the defending champs. He's going to win the Cy Old. Woo! Other crap. Is that pretty good for a guy that age? It depends. Woo! Other crap. The Sabermetrics love that guy this year. His AARP is off the charts. Woo! Other crap. How about that Otani guy, huh? You think he would walk himself? Woo! Other crap. Uh, Pitt basketball uh, uh, hasn't won a conference game in 412 days. It's time for the three stars of the show. Third star! Tonight's third star of the show, Jason Mackey! Crosby loves it. I mean, he will never admit this publicly. Like, we were asking him about the urinals yesterday. He loves that stuff. Second star! Tonight's second star of the show, Will Graves! So you're saying the second best looking WVU grad working in the Pittsburgh media market. Are you saying Rossi's the hottest? Uh, no. I didn't even... Rossi's in our also receiving votes category. He's down there somewhere. First star! And tonight's first star of the show, Stat Pat! Stat Pat's having an asthma attack. Chatter, chat, chat. <laughs> Chad, Chad Ruiz, Chad He leads the team and, and blocks shots through the first three games of the playoffs. Uh, so, so what I, so what I say is he and Cole who. Good for you, Stat Pat, baby. You kicked ass, man. First time on the show. New character. We really appreciate you taking the time today. Welcome, buddy. Welcome. Well, uh, 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 thank you guys for having me on. And I just wanted to say that wasn't very clear what I was saying there, that soundbite. Uh, Chad Rahuidal, that guy, he leads the team in block shots. And Ian Cole, uh, that was what was always missing, or people thought was missing, was that he could block a lot of shots. And Chad Rahuidal, he's, he's blocked a ton of them. Thank you. Good job, Snap Hat. Yeah, really good stuff, man. We'll see. Tomorrow we can get you on with Harry. I don't know why Harry left. That's a weird thing. We're following it closely. What you can count on here on the show. Hard-hitting news. We're on top of it. Yeah, we're...
right on top of it there, Brian. <laughs> We're right on top of the nose. Hard-hitting nose all day here on the Crowley <laughs> Show. All day. We're blowing breaking nose all up and down this radio show from 4 o'clock until 7. We'll see you tomorrow. Stat Pat, Harry, Brian, Tom, me, the whole gang, breaking down the Stillers, the Penguins, and the Buckos. He's he's got nine blocked shots. Why what don't you understand? I was driving in my car and I smelled a number five with fries. Hadn't stopped for lunch, made me realize it was just my ride. No. But with the Just where it's a 2001 Buick LeSabre. If they don't validate it, I think I'm going to get towed. And then my uh, uh, last time I was late coming home, my wife was in bed with someone else.